everyone. I'm Brittany, the content and research producer. And I'm Ellie, the media and content producer at Magnify. And welcome to the Magnify podcast, where we co-host aspirational conversations to help you thrive and work through faith. This podcast is a place where we explore all the topics and questions which we all grapple with in our careers in faith, from imposter syndrome, identity, perfectionism, acting in courage, boundaries, really the list could go on. We dig in and get frank about all things work using faith as a backdrop. And through these conversations with dynamic individuals, we hope you'll leave informed, intrigued, and inspired in your faith and work life. I can't let the imposter syndrome cripple me because you know, if I do, then I'll miss out on so many opportunities. Like if I don't go after that job that I want, I would rather go for it and fail or like fall flat on my face than like say no to something because I was scared or I had imposter syndrome and then always wonder for the rest of my life, what if? So today we are talking about imposter syndrome. Um, And Brittany, are there any moments in work where you've experienced doubt about your abilities or have you ever questioned your achievements or wondered if you measure up? Obviously, it's like a hard one to admit because none of us want to admit that we're like dealing with doubt, but all the time. I think that there are times when, particularly when I'm in the middle of something, and I've noticed when when it's something that I'm very excited about and very passionate about, that while I'm in the middle of it, there will be like some moments that are like, hold up. Why do you think that you're capable of doing this? Like, which is amazing to me that our mind can even do that. Um, it's definitely been like a journey of being able to learn to be proud of yourself and yeah. maintain humility, celebrate the things that you are doing and not just leave it up to like, oh yeah, that was like a one-off thing. Yeah, definitely. And there was this one episode from the Michelle Obama podcast, but they were speaking about imposter syndrome. And she was saying like one of her interns at the White House or one of the people that she was mentoring or something like that used to walk around um, with a face on like they're about to get fired at any moment. And I was just like, it's me. That's me. <laughs> like I literally every yes. day, I like expect to go into my inbox and get that email where it's like, it's been real, but goodbye. But equally, yes. like that's just something that you have to overcome in your everyday and realize that you bring value to your job but yeah imposter syndrome often keeps us experiencing the fullness of our successes and can even stop us from going after what we're passionate about um but what are some of the ways that we can overcome the doubt that arises within ourselves and as the digital director of oprahmag.com and a recent first-time author of the book what would frida do ariana davis has spent over 10 years building a career in journalism Throughout this time, she has encountered many moments where she has had to choose whether or not to be led by internal questioning. In this episode, she shares with us about pushing through moments of what ifs, the importance of acknowledging every part of our journeys, and allowing intention to lead her decision-making process. We had a really great time chatting with her about this, so let's listen in. So yeah, welcome Ariana to the Magnify podcast. Um, And we always start with an opening question, just so everyone can get to know each other a bit better. So what would your go-to karaoke song be? go-to karaoke song oh my gosh such a hard one (laughs) I'm gonna have to go with probably anything Backstreet Boys that's just the first thing that popped into my mind my like younger self still somehow remembers like every single lyric to every single (laughs) BSB song so I think um I think that that would have to be my answer um Brittany what would your answer be yeah um we were talking about this too earlier um Ellie and to Ariana's point like you do um I like that idea of being able to do songs that other people would know too that they everybody has like a reaction to um and so mine would probably be I'm every woman oh that's a a good good one one. yeah I don't have the voice of Dr. (laughs) Khan or Whitney Houston but 
I would try. Give it your best shot. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I was, yeah, I was saying that um, this is solely from the Michelle Obama carpool karaoke, but it would have to be signed, sealed, delivered. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I'll be able to top the performance, but I would definitely again give it my best shot i love it both are fantastic picks <laughs> um we're so excited to have you on the podcast today um to talk to you a bit about um your career journey and everything and to get to know i guess a little bit we like to do around a quick fire questions as well so okay. first if you could have a dinner party with three guests from any era who would they be and why um, well, I mean, I wrote a book about Frida Kahlo, and so I think I would definitely have to put Frida on that list. Um, I would also obviously have to put Michelle Obama on that list, just because Flotus goals. And then I think there's no other answer other than Beyonce. So the next one for you is, what's been the highlight of your career, Ariana? Highlight of my career? Oh gosh, you guys are starting me off with some tough ones. Um, <laughs> or just I something think... that stood out for you. I mean, definitely, I think the most recent one is definitely, I mean, publishing What Would Frida Do, um, I think was an incredible highlight, you know, getting to, you know, publish my first book was something I think I've dreamed about since I was a kid. And, you know, the whole process of writing and researching and, and going to Mexico City to write that was incredible. Um, and from as far as my day job, I mean, you know, so many highlights every single day working for Oprah Mag, but I definitely think one of the big ones was... Um, Gosh, there's been so many. I think one one that comes to mind is the very first time I interviewed Oprah, which which, which was actually when I was working on the print magazine, um, and it was early in my career, and I was just kind of still getting my like chops. And I actually flew to Selma, Alabama, while they were filming the movie Selma, and um, I got to interview her for a story for the magazine, which was pretty incredible. Um, and then you know. Fast forward almost 10 years later in 2018, you know, coming back to Hearst as a digital director for Oprah Magazine and launching the website was pretty, pretty full circle and spectacular, I have to say. That's amazing. And how do you like to spend your weekend? My weekend is a lot of, I mean, these days it's a lot of like Netflixing. It's a lot of playing with my puppy, Leo. He's three months old and like the cutest little guy ever. He just came home with me. Um, the day after Christmas actually last year. And so he, like we were snuggling a lot, watching a lot of Netflix. And also I read, I'm a huge bookworm. Um, so it's kind of a like couch session of just Netflixing, puppying and reading. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect weekend. I've been loving your photos of your puppy on your Instagram as well. It just gives me my daily fix of cuteness. Um, Thanks, he's being good right now. So hopefully he stays quiet. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Um, and we always love to ask this question to our guests, but growing up, what was your childhood like? What would you say are the values that have shaped you into the woman that you are today? My childhood, definitely, you know, I'm a middle child. Um, I have an older brother and a younger sister. We grew up in Maryland. My parents, um, my mom is Puerto Rican and my dad is black. So I grew up biracial in the suburbs of Maryland. Um, and I went to school with a lot of kids that didn't really look like me. I didn't really, you know, understand. I was definitely one of very few minorities. And then at that also to be from two different backgrounds, I think played a lot of a big role into my own self-identity. And, um, you know, I grew up, I think as like a shy, awkward kid who, you know, struggled a lot with who they were. And I think my like coping mechanism was definitely reading and books. And that, you know, really played a huge part, I think, in my eventual career I was really like I was obsessed with the babysitters club and like later when I got older um 
more YA and I always gravitated toward authors of color like Toni Morrison or um, Julia Alvarez and I would just always kind of have my nose stuck in a book and I think I, I, because of that love of reading it also led to a love of writing and um, I think I'm one of those rare people that from a young age always kind of knew I would be doing something in like words and writing and so um, yeah that all kind of like I think stuck with me for a long time and eventually led me to being a journalism major at Penn State um, and eventually getting into into the field of, of magazines and journalism. Amazing. Um, and yeah, we'd love to hear a bit more just sort of about what you do, um, just so our listeners can get to know you a bit more. What does your day to day look like? I know it must change a lot, but just give a general sort of skeleton of it all. Yeah, so essentially, I mean, you know, obviously we're all working remotely right now. Um, as digital director, I oversee all of our digital um, editorial content, so our website, social media platforms, um, video, et cetera, et cetera. So essentially, you know, we publish about, I would say, 12 to 15 stories a day on the site. And so every morning I kind of uh, look over the lineup to see what we have planned for the day. I'm also fielding pitches from our writers. Um, I'm also, you know, looking to see what's happening in the world and also assigning stories. Um, and just basically kind of checking in on like everything happening editorially. I'm checking in with our social editor to see what we have planned and also offering him ideas. Um, and, you know, we, I also oversee, we have video series like the OG Chronicles, which is a series that where Oprah and Gail um, answer reader questions and also play some fun games. It's like my favorite thing ever. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a combination of all of those things. It's definitely a little busy and even in a pandemic it's like you know definitely a lot to oversee just from your laptop but it's um really fulfilling and you know we've had really quick growth we launched in 2018 and we are now reaching almost 20 million readers every month and so you know our growth has been kind of exponential and um it's been a wild ride but it's it's super fun and i really really love um what i do that's actually perfect because we wanted to talk about um kind of as we grow in our careers and um, get to do uh, amazing things and cool things, um, sometimes we can have imposter syndrome or feel as though kind of deal with like that inner critic a bit. Um, and so we want to kind of unpack that a little bit. And so have you ever had an experience with imposter syndrome and how, did, how do you recognize when you're experiencing it? Yeah, 1000% all the time. I, you know, I'm 33 and um, that's in some ways, you know, I'm, definitely, you know, looking back at like myself when I first started, it feels like so much older, but also in comparison, um, you know, for, to be in a position of power and a leadership position for a brand like Oprah, you know, I'm definitely um, young. And I think that that sometimes plays a, a part, you know, I think just being, you know, a 33 year old person running a site, I think that that definitely can come into play that self doubt of like, you know, I'm working with a lot of people who are much older than me, or back, back when I was, you know, a journalism major at Penn State, I was, you know, thinking that, like, to be in a leadership position, you have to be, you know, in your 50s or 60s. It was, like, the idea of the fact that things are, have changed and I think evolved over the last decade, so that age isn't as much of a factor as, like, talent and drive and passion. Um, so that can definitely play a role, and also I think, um, you know, there's, there's just, there's also, you know, I'm usually only the, the only woman of color in a lot of situations. I mean, obviously Oprah is the face of, of our brand, but just in media and in magazines in general, um, I work for Hearst Magazines and it's a great company and there's a lot of diversity at the company, but even still, there's many meetings where I'm the only, you know, black woman, I'm the only Latino woman, I'm the only brown person, period. And so that can have its effects also. Um, 
and you know make you question yourself like what am I doing here what does everybody else think of me am I good enough all of those things and um, finally, I, I think that the biggest recent example I can think of was publishing What We're Free to Do, because, you know, even as someone who's always loved reading, who always wanted to publish a book, the idea of actually doing it is like very nerve wracking. And there were a lot of points during the process where I think I questioned, um, you know, what if people hate it? Am I the right person to write this book? Um, what am I doing writing a book about, you know, one of the most well-known women in history? Like all of those things go through your mind. And so, um, I definitely think that imposter syndrome is very real. And I 100% think that as women, we often kind of question um, whether we're good enough. And the answer is always, usually sh should always be, you know, yes. But that doesn't mean that it's not um, something that, that I just like so many other people struggle with. And I think it's very easy to like, when I summarize my career journey from like intern at Oprah Magazine to now I'm digital director, and it sounds like, wow, like what an inspiring journey. And I do think it's incredible. But, you know, I've had so many failures along the way. And I have struggled with imposter syndrome a lot along the way. And even now when I tell that story, I'm still just like, how did I end up as digital director for Oprah Magazine? Like, it's crazy. So that's a long answer to your question of like, <laughs> yes, I definitely do, you know, struggle with that just like, you know, anyone else. Yeah. No, I love that. Thank you so much for that. Cause I think we have like a lot of conversations at times of just like that inner, you know, the inner questioning sometimes you have when you're like sitting down to do to do anything. I think especially when it's something that you care about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And which I guess is maybe like a sign too of like, you know, you wouldn't be going through that much questioning if you, if it wasn't something that was like passion that you were passionate about in a way and that you wanted to um, show up for well. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, it's interesting that you say like, even now as like the digital director of Oprah Magazine, you sort of like you hearing your story from intern to the digital director, it sort of just proves that no matter how successful or, you know, how many goals you're able to reach, you still feel that imposter syndrome and perhaps even more so than when you first started out. Yeah, I definitely still experience it now. I mean, I think that, um, you know, again, I think on a day to day basis, um, you know, I, I think that I'm someone who knows themselves, who's very confident, who, you know, I know I'm, I know that I'm where I am, not just because of, you know, I'm definitely blessed. I'm definitely lucky. I definitely have had a lot of women who have helped me along the way. I've had a lot of, you know, mentors and friends and a lot, there's definitely a lot of like, you know, parts of my story that I feel like, you know, felt very cosmic and it was kind of like, this is what it was meant to be, but also I'm a really hard worker and I work my ass off. And I think that that is something that, um, you know, if I ever do have doubts, I think that, um, you know, I just remember that, like, you know, I've worked my ass off to be here, and I know that, like, there's been so many late nights, and so much sacrifice, and so much uh, passion that has driven everything that I do, and so that, I think, really just, you know, drives away any of those kind of imposter syndrome thoughts. Yeah, that's good. That's what I was going to ask you next, of just kind of, like, what are some of the practical ways that you've been able to, like, refocus your mind on what you know you're capable of during those moments when um, doubt might be settling, settling in? We're trying to honestly like I I, some, I just push through it I don't really know how to like really say it other than like you know I think that I I don't really have a choice right like I think that like anytime you know I've I'm in a position where I want to just do good work and I know that doing good work th that that's going to require some challenges and obstacles and that there's going to be some times where I just I don't really have a choice like I can't let the imposter syndrome cripple me because you know, if I do, then I'll miss out on so many opportunities. Like if I don't go after that job that I want, or I don't write the book that I, you know, I, I would rather go for it and fail or like fall flat on my face than like say no to something 
because I was scared or I had imposter syndrome and then always wonder for the rest of my life, what if, you know, what if I had written that book or what if I had gone after that job that I didn't think I was good enough for? So I think the like fear of the what if is one thing that really drives me. And it's just kind of like, I would rather go for something and, and it not work out than to always have that question mark in the back of my mind. That's such a good perspective to, to keep on it. Has your faith played um, a role in how you combat that as well? Definitely. I think for me, my faith is really important. I know that I think that, you know, there's so many parts of my story that I think about that I'm just like, there's no way that God was not involved in in this. My faith is like backed up by realizing like, you know, there's really no such thing as a coincidence. And, you know, there are certain things that have just happened along the years of like, even, um, you know, I, I first really got my foot in the door when I was a senior, I was a senior at Penn State. And I was actually that, that summer going to intern as a copy editing intern at the New York Daily News. I really liked writing and journalism and newspapers, but like my secret dream was always magazines. But you know, magazines was this very glamour, glamorous, untouchable world that people like me, you know, you don't really see a lot of brown people in magazines. A lot of it has to do with access and connections and all of those things. But my, my spring semester, my senior year, the speaker at a scholarship at my scholarship dinner was the publisher of Seventeen magazine. And she um, gave this really, you know, inspirational speech about her career in magazines. And then afterwards, I just like had this feeling come over me. I was like, I cannot let this woman leave without like introducing myself. So I literally followed her to the bathroom and asked her for her business card. She kindly said yes. Um, and then when I did move to New York, eventually I, you know, reached out to her, followed up. We ended up having lunch, um, and we we kept in touch. And so when there was a an intern, a postgraduate paid internship position open at Oprah Magazine, which is a sister magazine to Seventeen, um, you know, I asked her if she could help me put me in touch with someone there, and she did. And that was literally like what started my whole career. And it's like if I had never, if Jane hadn't been the speaker at that you know scholarship dinner that I went to. And I didn't have like the feeling in me to like go and speak to her. Like if none of that had happened, like who knows where I would be now or like what would have happened. And so, you know, it's things like that where I realized that it can't just be like, you know, it, it's, I know that it's me and my hard work and my passion and my persistence, but I also do feel that, you know, my faith in the fact that there is a higher being whose plan all of this is um, definitely is not something that I'm, that I'm not aware of. And I really love the idea sort of of you going after it and not being afraid to ask because I feel like that's something a lot of people can struggle with. They let themselves get in the way in those moments of like, oh, I'm going to be bothering her. But actually by asking, you know, you're overcoming that imposter syndrome and working through it, as you said. Um, and just to pick out sort of like, you know, your point of, you know, the work that you've put in. Um, are there ever any moments sort of when, I know personally, actually, I'm really guilty of it, where I almost, I put my success to someone else and I say, I wouldn't be here without this person. So really they're the reason for my success. So have there been any moments where you've sort of had to remind yourself that the seat that you occupy has been earned through your hard work and not anybody else's? There's been a lot of those times. I can't think of specific examples, but like, I'm well aware, like, just like Jane really helped me get my foot in the door. Also my first boss, I started after I was an intern, eventually I got the job to be assistant to Gail King, who's the editor at large of Oprah Magazine. Also obviously Gail's best friend and CBS This Morning host. Um, but I was Gail's assistant for many years. And I think that that was so important for me because I really learned by example as her assistant, like what a hardworking, but kind and nice 
woman in a position of power look like? And I really learned by example of being her assistant and she has helped me so many times throughout my career, just being an ear to lean on or someone who could give me guidance. And you know, to this day, we have a really special relationship and I'm so appreciative of that. And so I do think that you know, there have been like angels along the way who I'm like, you know, if it hadn't been for Gail rooting for me, or if it hadn't been for Jane helping me get my foot in the door, if it hadn't been for one of my good friends from Penn State, who was the one who really like pushed me to take some of the big leaps of my career, like all those people, I think, really did help me along the way. And I know that I am where I am because of, again, like that hard work and that that ambition and that drive within me. But I also know, in addition to like my faith, there's also many people in my life who, you know, have really helped and inspired me and guided me along the way. And just sort of going back to like the p- moments of your career that you're most proud of, um, what has been one specific moment that you look back on and you think, okay, I really earned that and I'm really proud of myself for doing that. Um, and what would you say are the sort of tools that led you to get there? I think that with What Would Frida Do when that came out, like, you know, it's incredibly nerve wracking to write a book, to release a book, and especially, you know, Frida is an icon who there's been so many books written about her. There was an uh, Oscar-nominated movie. There's been a lot done about Frida Rizzo, so it was definitely intimidating to kind of contribute something to that. Um, but I really, it was really important to me while writing the book and thinking up the idea that I wanted to try to contribute something to her legacy that would carry on her legacy, but also bring something new to the table that wasn't just another Frida thing to put on your coffee table, that it really would hopefully help people and would take some of the lessons from this woman who lived so far ahead of her time and share those with other people who might need that inspiration. So for me, the book was a really big accomplishment and like seeing it out there in the world and then seeing that it got, you know, positive reviews. I mean, reviews are obviously all subjective and not everyone loves the book. There's also, you know, people who don't love it and there's been, you know, critics of it. But um, I think that seeing the positive reviews was really validating and it really reminded me that like all the hard work I put into it, all of the like, you know, I was balancing writing a book while also running a website and, you know, doing research late into the hour. I mean, it was, it was definitely a lot. And I think that there were a lot of times where I questioned like, did I do the right thing by taking on this book? Um, Was I the right person to write this book? But seeing the response and just also like, even just, you know, getting some messages on Instagram from people who are like, hey, thank you for writing this book. Like that alone, you know, even just seeing that from one person is like incredibly affirming. And it just reminds me that like, you know, as hard as that was and as challenging as it was and as many times as I like doubted myself, it was, you know, I'm so incredibly glad that I wrote the book. Yeah, I guess off of that, um, celebrating our successes is definitely one thing that we can do to sort of combat imposter syndrome um but how do you balance that fine line of being able to celebrate your successes but also keeping your humility as well Mm, humility I mean I think that I mean I definitely think one thing is definitely like friends and family like my friends family will always keep me humble like if I ever am getting like too much of an ego or like you know like I think that especially, you know, working in digital, it's helpful because like a lot of like people definitely their eyes light up when they hear the name Oprah, like everyone knows the name Oprah, but most people like my family, I don't think my parents really totally understand what I do. They're like something with Oprah's web, but she works for Oprah. So it's like very, (laughs) you know, it's, um, I think that like my friends and my family, there are some people also who like my friends who are like not even in the media world at all, who like don't really care, um, who, you know, I think that it's just staying grounded to um certain people and just always remembering I always try to keep in mind the bigger picture and like the actual readers and people that I hope to you know help or inspire whether it's through our content that we put out every day at Oprah Magazine or whether it's through the book that I wrote I don't try to let it get too much to my head or think about it even as like 
what I'm doing, but I try to think of it as, you know, I'm, this is part of my purpose and the reason why I'm here on this planet and why I hope, you know, ho hopefully part of what my legacy can be, can be helping people or inspiring them or just like, you know, giving them a few tools to like live a better life. And I think that even if it, I can only leave this earth by just saying I've done that for like a handful of people, like I think that that is incredible. So I try to keep that in mind and it can be easy to be like, oh, I'm verified on Instagram and I work for Oprah. But it's like that to me is not what really drives me or motivates me. And have you ever sort of seen imposter syndrome act as a roadblock for your success or stopped you from doing something? I know that you before you sort of spoken about going to things um, and always believing in yourself, but has it ever sort of halted you from going for something or made you feel like you couldn't go for something? I know that there's been times over the years where like maybe I've seen a job opening or I've seen like an opportunity and I've like thought about going for it. And then I was just like, no, there's no way. Like I'm not qualified enough or I don't think that I... Um, you know, would be a good fit for this position. And, you know, that's definitely happened to me over the years. I also think that sometimes, you know, even like when I've gone for jobs that I didn't get, I sometimes, you know, will look back and be like, I feel like I wasn't my full self in that interview because again, imposter syndrome and doubting myself and wondering like, am I like, they probably think that I'm too young or they think that I'm this or they think that I'm that. Um, so I definitely think that there have been a lot of instances of that. And I think, you know, it's taken time and wisdom and, and, doing what I'm doing more and more and being more comfortable with myself and also with like just gaining the experience to be like, no, like I deserve to be here. Like, look at all these things that I've done that has helped me to finally push past that. But there's definitely been a lot of times over the years where I know that I've definitely paused or doubted myself um, before going for something. And I'm interested to know as well, like in that moment of doubting yourself and actually reminding yourself that you are, you know, you've worked hard and you've, you're capable of going for what you want to go for. Has community ever played a role in that or has it solely come from yourself? No, I definitely think community is a big part. I mean, I, I mentioned some people like, you know, Gail and Jane, but also like, you know, my sister and I are super close. My sister also, um, my sister is a music publicist. So we're kind of like in similar-ish industries and we often lift each other up. I think that, um, you know, I have a really small but like tight circle of friends who like, you know, are very quick if I go to the group chat and I'm like, y'all, can you believe this happened? Or like, what should I do or whatever? Like, we just have a really strong relationship. And my dad is a really big influence on me. Like since a young age, he was very like, you know, motivating when it came to like career and always, you know, making sure that we go, we push ourselves and that we are always aware of our potential. So I definitely think community as far as like my friends and my family, um, but also some of the women that I've worked with through the years have played a big part in helping to lift me up when maybe I am like doubting my own self. That's so good. I, I love that because I feel like those are that circle of people, those are the times when we can actually be like our truest selves. And it's, yeah. um, you know, and it, it, it does, we're not like trying to push past the doubt or anything. We're actually just being who we are and they're encouraging that one. Because um, one of the things that we've talked about too is like sometimes the way that we combat doubt tends to be to lean on perfectionism, tends to be to like try to, I know in my experience it's been to like try to control as much of it as I can <laughs> so that I can push yeah. past everything that I'm feeling on the inside. Um, but obviously like striving for perfection, it's almost like a setup for failure in a lot of ways. Um, but how are, how have you been able to ease like, or have you ever put like unrealistic standards on yourself in certain positions? And how have you been able to like ease through that um, even while balancing like ambition and wanting to do a great job? I mean, to be frank, I think I'm dealing with that right now. I mean, I think that, you know, we're relaunching a site. I also, um, you know, I was starting, I've started to work on my second book, just like, you know, in a little bit of free time that I have. I also, um, 
am an adjunct professor for at NYU and um, I teach in the fall and they've just reached out and they're like, do you want to teach again in the fall? And my, my go-to is always yes, because I just feel like if God puts these opportunities in my life, I want to say yes, I want to like go after it. I feel like who am I to like turn down things, but then I do feel like I, I'm reaching a point where I'm just like, okay, but how much is too much? Or like, am I, you know, am I putting unrealistic expectations on myself to like constantly just always be, you know, saying yes to things and continuing to like go after all these things. So it's something I think about a lot. And it, what's the fine line between like ambition and also just like doing too much. So I think that it's something that I think about a lot. Um, but I'm a really instinct driven person. And I try to like, just kind of go with my gut and just lead with what feels right to me. And I, I try to also think about one of my favorite words uh, is intention, which is one of Oprah's favorite words. And that's where I got it from. And I think um, I always ask myself, like, what is my intention behind whatever it is that I'm doing? So if I'm taking a new job or I'm, you know, teaching or I'm even writing a story, or even sometimes when we have a team meeting with our team, you know, I ask people to always just think about like, what is our intention here? What are, what is, why, what, what's the why? Like, yes, we want to do stories for traffic, but like, what is our intention behind the story and what do we hope that the reader will get from it? And I think that I find that thinking about any big decision through the lens of like, what is your intent is really helpful. With that as well, does that help you to kind of reframe failure in some ways, like either personally or professionally of like, if I sought it with intent or, you know, I was always seeking the intent behind it, like even if it didn't go the way that I was anticipating, it's still okay. I think that it's exactly what you said. Like anytime that something hasn't worked out, I at least feel like, you know what, I knew that I was coming from a good place of intention or I was coming from a place where, um, you know, I really wanted X, Y, Z and it didn't work out, but I know that I gave it my best or that I, I know where I stood in the situation and that I wasn't doing this with like bad intentions or, or doing it for any reason. You know, I, you know, to feed my ego was more about like what I really wanted to do for this brand or with my book or whatever the case may be. So um, I definitely think that looking at things through that lens is, is, is really, it's, it's really a good thing and a helpful thing because it helps me to kind of go back to that question about humility to ensure that I am coming at everything that I do in my life from a place of humility and not ego. And I wanted to, something that you wrote um, for Oprah.com like stood out to us and I just wanted to read it really quick. Um, he said, I made a list of things I was entitled to do. I had the right to not know all the answers, the right to be on a learning curve, the right to be less than perfect. Once I permitted myself those mistakes, a huge weight was lifted. Um, and we were just curious, what was it like actually putting that into practice? Because that's such a beautiful statement to have for yourself. Again, I think any time there's a, there's a risk of like failing or like something doesn't necessarily work or I'm not sure if it will work, I think that that motivating factor of just like, being like, it's okay. Like, it's okay if, if, if this fails or this doesn't work out or you go for this thing or, you know, or if someone has something negative to say about you, like that, it's okay. Like, you know, your intention and you know that you tried and, you know, you know that you'll never, you'll never ask what if, because you're like, okay, what if, well, I went for it and I didn't, it didn't work out and that's okay. I can move on with my life versus like, if I just never tried at all. And so I think that that um, is, is definitely something that really uh, drives me in that way. Definitely. I think it's um, really interesting, like your 
um, emphasis on intention because I think a lot of the time when people are suffering with imposter syndrome there can be like phases you go through where you're, you're thinking okay I can do this I can crack on I am you know I have what it takes to get there and then a failure comes about and you think okay those you know those negative thoughts are fed by that failure um, but actually when you go back to your intention I think that's such an important way in basically making sure that when you fail you're not feeding your imposter syndrome even more but actually you're saying you're reasoning with yourself you're saying it's my intention you know and if it's not gone right that's not a reflection of my abilities and my value you know it's, it's easier said than done all of this is easier said than done and it's easy for me to say like you know if i believe intention if i believe in my intention then i'll never doubt myself and like that sounds great but you know it's still i still have lots of moments where i'm still just like but why didn't i get that opportunity like I really like came at it from a great perspective and like I knew I killed the interview and this this and this like why didn't they want me or like in same in relationships or anything that happens in life and so you know it's not none of this advice is like the end-all be-all or cure-all and I still definitely you know have those cries over ice cream because I didn't you know I had the breakup or the job go wrong or whatever it is and so I think that it's not like a magic wand you can wave over things but I do think that it at least helps to be able to be like I didn't apply for that job because it's going to like look good on my resume. I applied for it because I really thought I would be the best person for the job and then I would make a difference and it didn't work out. So now on to the next thing. I think that at least trying to look at it through that lens is helpful. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just off of that, how do you pick yourself up in those moments? I think that it's key and it's important to let yourself cry and to let yourself have those moments and to let out the emotions and to acknowledge like, you know, this is hard and I'm allowed to feel sad, but I try not to dwell on it. For I usually give myself like a day. I'll give myself like a day to just be like, be sad and maybe watch a sad movie on Netflix and be on the phone with my friends um, and just like whine and complain. But I try not to let it overwhelm my life because I'm just like, you know, things happen for a reason. And just because, you know, something bad happened doesn't mean that it has to dictate the rest of your life or take me away from other things that I'm doing. And so um, I think that that is kind of like my general rule. I think that's so helpful too. That's um, something that you said earlier as well of like, it isn't, it is a lot easier said than done very often. Um, but I love that. I love being able to, what we like to do is to kind of talk through that process of like, what like those those things of like I did give myself a day like I did yeah. go ahead and experience it but I also didn't didn't let that like define it define everything for me totally 100% so yeah so I guess the final question is um just sort of how does your faith help you understand that being perfect is number one not possible and number two never asked of us as well I am a firm believer I think in the idea that everything happens for a reason and I and I trust in that and so I know that you know if I am being put through a challenge or if I'm not, you know, completely perfect or, you know, I think that that's because God wanted it that way. And I think that for me, you know, it's also realizing that that's just part of the journey. I think that like any story where like someone gets everything that they ever asked for and it's like success and they, and they only ever like have a smooth sailing life. Like that's not interesting. <laughs> you know, I think that that's not, that's not a life fully lived. And so I, I don't think that God would put us here to like, you know, be given every single thing that we ever wanted. Like we're supposed to be imperfect and we're supposed to, um, I think we're supposed to make mistakes and fall on our faces and not get everything right all the time. That's just part of the journey. And that's part of the story. I think about like, maybe one day telling my grandkids, like it would just be so boring if I'm like, yeah, like everything was always perfect and amazing. And then you came here, like, no, I want to talk about the ugly breakups and the jobs that I didn't get and the, you know, time, the pandemic and like all these things that happen. It's like, it's, it's terrible and it's unfortunate, but a lot of it, I think, builds our character. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I really appreciate you having me. So here are our top three takeaways from our conversation with Ariana. So the first one is to be fueled by the what if. Um, And I thought that this was such a great point of just not living in regret, because I think sometimes with imposter syndrome, it can keep us from saying yes to things, especially things that we would love to do, that we would enjoy doing or that we're curious about. Um, And I think that Ariana had such a great point of um, kind of moving beyond the what if. And if the only reason you're not doing something is just because you think you might not have um, the ability to do it. that's not necessarily like the best reason why. Yeah, definitely, I agree. And I think as well, like to your point of thinking that we don't have the abilities, I would say like the majority of us listening to this podcast undervalue our abilities. So we just never know until we go for it. Um, And I know it's easier said than done, but I'd always like try and fail, then just not try at all and not know if I'd have succeeded or not. Because even if I do fail, there's still a lesson to be learned from that. And there's still takeaways to bring forward with you to like build and do better next time. Exactly. Our second point was growing a support system that keeps us grounded Um, and this is something that just resonates so much with me because I count on my friends and mentors and even you Brittany like you know how often we just we talk when before we record anything we just talk for like 10 minutes just you know getting stuff off our chest working together brainstorming and everything so it helps me just focus a bit more and understand you know that I can do it um and that might not necessarily be able to do it completely alone, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't come down to my hard work and my skills at the end of the day in terms of like actually getting on with the task at hand. I'm the same way. And I think to your point, it's always, I think that's kind of the beauty of um, community or the beauty of having, of, you know, just doing life with one another is that um, we get to do that for each other, right? Is that I could probably, I can see things in you um, and see skills in you uh, that you might not be as focused on. Um, but because I'm kind of like an outside perspective, um, I can kind of root for you and cheer for you in those areas. Um, and you do the same for me. Definitely. And I think that's such, that's the beauty of having that support system is being able to see you know, just see the gold in one another that we might not see within our own selves. And so our last takeaway was knowing your intent. I think your imposter syndrome is fed when you fail because you kind of, your thoughts, your, you know, false thoughts are validated by this failure that's just gone on in front of you. Um, But when we bring our intent into it and we know we executed that task, that project, whatever it is, with the good intent, with the right intent, we can always fall back on that instead of the actual failure and know, okay, no, but I tried my best with the skills and the abilities that I had. And if it still failed, then there's literally nothing else I could have done. And that doesn't mean that I'm a fraud, that I'm an imposter, that I'm not worth it because I can get up and try again next time. It's funny because I feel like most episodes of um, this season so far have come back down to what is your why? And I think always because uh, once you're in the middle of doing something, there's a million and one things that can get in your head and kind of um, make us lose focus a lot of ways. And I think imposter syndrome definitely takes our focus off of what we're doing. Um, But if we're always, if we're kind of navigated and grounded by uh, the why behind it, um, which is usually much bigger than ourselves, it's much bigger than like my own abilities or fears, that kind of keeps us on keeps us on track a bit yeah definitely and I love what you said there as well that your why is always bigger than what you are so that why what you come back to when you are feeling those fears is always much bigger than those fears themselves and that you know that in itself should be enough to push you through those thoughts of doubting yourself and what you're capable of doing because you're always capable of way more than you ever think
Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you know anyone who might love this episode too, go ahead and share it with them. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love to hear your thoughts and it really helps us out. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to our email list, which you can find on the Magnify website, where you'll get connected and informed with even more inspiring content. And also our inbox is always open. So if you have a topic you want us to chat about, or if you have something that you just want to add to our conversations, you can email us at elliatmagnifycollective.com. Thank you.